0: The Summit CO2 Pipeline Project is pushing forward. We'll get a status update after the biggest biofuel producer in the world linked up. And there are some decisions coming up and enrollments at FSA. We'll get some perspective on farm program participation. And finally, it's FOMC meeting time. Just what should we expect? Live from the waning
1: days of January via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we begin with a conversation with Lee Blank from Summit Carbon Solutions. Then it's Paul Neifer, the farm CPA, and later, Dr. Vince Malanga from LaSalle Economics. Directly following the news, Karen Bonert from Farm Journal's milk. I'm a handsome newsman, Davis Michelson, and now... Welcome, the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right,
0: Davis. Hey, thank you so much. And welcome to AgriTalk. I am Chip. That is Davis. And we've got a full (laughs) show, dude. Full boat, baby. Full boat. It certainly is. Uh, Starting with that milk production report that we got uh, earlier this, I I think, earlier this week. We'll get the details on that from Karen coming up here in just a bit. But Mm -hmm. that milk market we're going to talk about it tomorrow afternoon with Rob schmall from agmarket.net and and try to figure out exactly what's going on there and what producers should be doing for risk management strategies and so on. Great. Um mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but the milk market just looks tough, rough yeah. right now and uh <laughs> we'll we'll put some pressure on Rob and try to figure it out. That's tomorrow afternoon. This this afternoon we've got John Payne.
1: Oh, I like the sound of that.
0: Yeah, from from Hedgepoint Global, yeah, I like that John's guy. always an yeah. interesting conversation. No, it's a cool, no dude. Doubt. Yeah, yep. Uh, boy, I tell you what, Mister Blank at Summit Carbon Solutions, yeah, finalized some good news yesterday at least for Summit in the fact that uh, Jeff Broin and the folks at Poet have signed up 17 yeah. bio refineries to connect to the Summit pipeline, the CO2 pipeline to sequester um, the CO2. We'll find out what that might mean for Summit. And what's the status? What, Jeff there, there's still some role. Yeah. We haven't talked about him in a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The blast I, from the past. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, All right, buddy. Should we get to the news? Yeah, I suppose. Why not? Okay. Uh, the National okay. Weather
1: Service uh, calls for heavy snows over parts of the Sierra Nevada mountains on Wednesday there's a slight risk of excessive rainfall over parts of northern and central California. Yeah. Snow over parts of the Great Lakes. Hello, South Bend. Central Appalachians into the northeast. Meanwhile, uh, those of us in the nation's uh, soft midsection here are enjoying some <laughs> lovely warm temperatures. Chip?
0: Absolutely. 36 degrees headed for a high of, of closer to to 45 degrees today. We could be 50 degrees come Friday <laughs> And out on the west, excuse me, 50 degrees come Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, out on the west coast, that Pineapple Express is is loaded up and ready to bring plenty of moisture to the west coast. They could have some tough weather, very tough weather conditions coming their way over the next couple of weeks.
1: Quickly, for or against Pineapple on Pizza, go.
0: Uh, I'm okay with it. If
2: and like time it,
1: expires if- US. stocks hit records again after the U.S Treasury cut its quarterly <laughs> estimate for federal borrowing for January through March. contrary to the increase seen by many strategists, all three major stock indices finished with gains. JP Morgan's Marco Kolanovic said tech earnings will be crucial in determining whether current stock valuations are sustainable. It's the busiest earning week of the season. Chip, with nineteen percent of companies in the S and P five hundred set to report, earnings season is here again. Chip,
0: getting ready for the conversation with Vince. I was looking at the Dow, the S and P, and the Nasdaq charts, and wow, uh, they are basically bottom left to top right on those index hmm. charts right now. Yeah. So we'll 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 ask Vince if that's got him a little nervous here or not.
1: Well, House Republicans are moving forward with a bipartisan tax package despite facing opposition from lawmakers with differing perspectives. Speaker Mike Johnson indicated that the bill would likely be advanced through suspension, requiring two thirds of lawmakers support to
0: pass while avoiding procedural obstacles. Chip, I can't keep all of this straight. I really no. can't. No, I need to, I, I need to have a conversation with, uh, Wee Smire about this one before, yeah. before we get too deep into it.
1: Well, here's an interesting one. The Biden administration will reportedly reinstate sanctions on Venezuela after (laughs) that country barred a key opposition presidential candidate from running in the upcoming elections. Initially, the U.S. had eased sanctions in response to Venezuela's commitment to hold those elections. So apparently dirty pool to keep an opponent from running for president,
0: You know, this is is absolutely astonishing to me. Why don't they... Come out and say, Colorado, you can't do that. Maine, you Mm -hmm. can't do that. They come out and say, Venezuela, you can't do that. But it's just crazy. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Well, here's some other good news. The Department of Energy
1: announced that the majority of gas stoves currently available on the market (laughs) meet President Biden's new energy efficiency standards. This means that gas stoves will not be banned in the U.S. in the near future. Uh, Nat gas exports, however, Chip, a different story.
0: Right. Especially net gas exports from Texas. Right. Right.
1: Sustainable aviation fuel is expected to play a significant role in decarbonizing aviation, but global production remains limited. Chip, by the end of 2022, eight refineries in the U.S. had completed conversions to produce renewable diesel or sustainable aviation fuel, or a combination of the two. Mm -hmm. A year later, an additional six sustainable fuels plants joined
0: their ranks in the United States. Feedstocks. Feed stocks is what they need, and we'll talk a little bit about that with uh, Mr. Blank here in a bit.
1: Well, quickly, one more thing. Saudi Arabia made a significant policy reversal by dropping its plan to expand its daily oil production capacity. Oil prices jumped on the news, Chip.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Let's bring in Karen Bonert, editor of Farm Journal's Milk. Good morning, Karen. Hello, Chip. So what did you learn from the January milk production report?
2: Well, to me, I don't think it was surprising. I mean, we have, we have less production out there, actually a, th- a 3% decline from the year prior. And in the major 24 states, we're at 8.9 million head, which is 17,000 head less than last December, but really kind of unchanged from November. But really what stood out for me, Chip, was in New Mexico led the way with the steepest decline in milk production with 64 million fewer pounds and 29,000 less cows and then following suit California was was a drop 35 million. You know, those two states they're impacted by water scarcity yeah. and you know, producers are just thinking how can I best utilize this land and and it might not be for milk, but on the upside, you know, our friends in South Dakota, they're definitely continue to see that uptick in in milk. Um, and, and in fact, they were, they jumped 40 million pounds with 21 addition, 21,000 additional cows. So talking to Phil Ford with Everag, he says, you know, Karen, it's kind of wait and see, but he also thinks it'll, the, the coming months will, we'll get more of what we're seeing, you know, yeah. we'll see less yeah. milk out there, but really we got to watch those class three markets and see if that's going to take that production notch down another level or if we'll remain, you know, kind of steady.
0: Right. Yeah. And when you take a look at the structure of that class three milk market that you mentioned, January contract, we should mention where it's at just as kind of a baseline, fifteen twenty a hundred weight. You get out to the March seventeen twenty nine, April seventeen fifty seven, May seventeen eighty one, it gets better, doesn't but better doesn't mean that it's good, does it?
2: Better doesn't mean good and you know, when you have 15 sixteen dollar milk chip. You can't have cows around that aren't going to be paying the bills because That's you right. need 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 the, the
0: drops of milk. That's right. That's right. Karen, good perspective. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Get more on that story and that January milk production story at www.dairyherd.com. Karen's got lots of good dairy coverage there for you. All right, Karen Boner, editor of Farm Journal's Milk. Coming up next, we've got Lee Blank, the CEO of Summit Carbon Solutions, right here on Agritalk.
3: Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena.
1: Join us in Orlando at the 2024 NCBA Cattle Convention. Don't miss U.S. Farm Report host Tyne Morgan's live taping with industry experts February 1st at noon. Be part of the live audience at the Chuckwagon Cafe Number One.
0: Welcome back to Agri Talk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us. It's Tuesday morning. Um, big, big announcement came out yesterday uh poet biofuels has decided to link 17 plants to the summit uh carbon solutions pipeline project lee blank is the ceo of summit carbon solutions and he joins us right now lee welcome back to agritalk it's great to talk with you again
6: chip thank you for having me again it's appreciate it
0: you bet it's a this is a huge announcement it it it's got to mean uh, quite an expansion for the Summit project, doesn't it?
6: It, it does. Again, the 17-plant addition uh, is, is sizable. It takes us up to 51 total uh, biorefineries and assets on the line Chip. So, yeah, it's a substantial amount of volume and a big announcement for us. And I think it's really important that, that uh, this partnership is happening. Um, ultimately, we share a lot of the same – Uh, thoughts and goals around agriculture and what this can mean, Chip, for U.S. agriculture going forward. And so we're really pleased uh, around this announcement. Uh, Very, very glad for the partnership and we look forward to advancing it together.
0: 51 total plants signed up. Now that's a majority of the plants, correct?
6: Well, it's a lot of, it's certainly a lot of facilities, but it wouldn't be the majority, it wouldn't be a majority of plants in the U.S. But, you know, in our region, it would make for a, a, a large part of the assets that are that are available to join our to join the pipeline.
0: OK. All right. So what, what does Poet's decision mean to the momentum behind the summit project? Because there are still some headwinds for the project, as we understand. I want to get into that in, in a bit, but this has got to mean a lot for the momentum of the project.
6: Yeah, it, it does. And again, with Poet joining, again, they're 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 a you know, they're a force in the space. They're a force in, in the ethanol as well as the agricultural space. And so with them joining us and and, and partnering with us, it really brings again another level of sophistication and, and clarification to the overall industry, uh the, the carbon capture, transport, and storage industry. So again, it's also a testimony to how real the project is, I think, Chip, frankly, because ultimately as as our competition has, has left the space. We remain uh, as a legitimate project moving forward, uh, a continued interest from uh, partners such as POET uh, joining us is, is really a testimony to to Summit Carbon and its ability to, uh, uh, to continue to move this project forward and, and continue to, to be a big part of this infrastructure play as we, as we think about what it means.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, it's interesting that you describe it as, you know, this means it's a legitimate project. I think, Uh, it's uh it's been taken very very seriously for quite some time now and that's part of the reason that that there has been some opposition to the uh to the project i know it's it's a controversial issue but what is the status with dealing with some of the regulatory requirements in iowa south dakota north dakota minnesota uh nebraska
6: yeah, and, and Chip, it's what's I'm, I'm glad you asked. We you know we tend to be checking the boxes uh, around the regulatory uh, hurdles that we need to that we need to meet. You know, as as here in the state of Iowa, uh, the, the permit uh, the hearings are finished. Um, you know, pre, uh, all the all the um, the documents are all in on the docket, and now we just wait on on the IUB to actually rule on our permit. And so that's a that's a check a check box for us as we move forward. I think the preemption. Uh, hearings and dis- and uh, discussions in uh, North Dakota will prove to be uh, fruitful for the advancement of the project as well as it appears that the North Dakota PSC is clearly uh, um, going to exercise their authority to preempt the counties in 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 North Dakota. So those things we've we've checked off the boxes. We would anticipate a permit hearing in North Dakota. Something there shortly after uh, we get the we get the ruling on preemption. So. We continue to have um, have a lot of discussions and a lot of work in South Dakota, and think about uh, the various county issues that we face there. Working very closely with the counties and and the various county commissions to find that that uh, that pathway that 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 uh, the way through the state, and ultimately we will, and uh, and which will be a a big another big uh, check uh, check mark for the the yeah. project itself and and moving this uh, this process forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, as far as gaining right away, I've heard that the, the I, I've heard estimates that are as high as as seventy five percent of the right away that is required has been signed up voluntarily. It is is that even close to accurately?
6: Yeah, that's very accurate. Uh, okay, uh, you know we're we're actually Chip, we're over eighty percent in North Dakota, okay. um, but ultimately across the project footprint, uh, you know we've reached mid seventies. A voluntary right away. And, you know, Chip, the whole time we have been uh, working very carefully and closely and consistently around a vol- voluntary negotiation with the landowner. Mm-hmm. And so we're very pleased with num- those numbers. It shows real progress on the part of, of Summit Carbon Solutions. And again, it's it's with the landowner in mind that we take those discussions uh, seriously and and think about the landowner's acre, have respect for that acre, and then work with the landowner on what's an appropriate Voluntary easement around that particular discussion.
0: Okay, Lee, you mentioned uh, you, 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 something that you said earlier uh, caught my attention as well. Where you, you said, "Listen, in in the industry, we've all kind of got the same goals." Um, I think that is probably uh, that that is probably right. But what does this project mean? How if this project does not go through, and if there the, we're, we're not able. The U.S. ethanol industry is not able to provide a feedstock for SAF going forward. Davis just had a story on it in the news. Uh, what does that mean to the industry?
6: Yeah, it's a great question, Chip. And I think it's really. I think a lot of people would like to to underestimate the significance of what can happen here. And ultimately, you know, the USCA is predicting uh, uh, farm incomes, rural income down substantially next year already. Um, again, I'm I'm a little bit older, so I remember uh, the '80s. Uh, you know, in the late '70s, when we think about what what low commodity values and commodity prices uh, uh, mean. So, frankly, what what this project? And, and again, Chip, I think about agriculture and step changes all the time. And the ethanol industry was a step change for the U.S. corn markets. This this particular infrastructure project is the next step change to hit those great markets that are going to be available to the ethanol industry, and ultimately, then the U.S. farm gate. Um, by hitting like the state, the sustainable aviation fuel markets. Now, to th- 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 to tie that all together, yeah. without yes. a low carbon intensity ethanol, it doesn't qualify to make to be the feedstock for sustainable aviation fuel. And and incidentally, Chip, and I think you know this, the ethanol industry is the one industry that has the volume and the capacity to meet the the uh, the goals that have been set by the airline industry, but they can't meet it without without our project. They cannot meet it without CCS because the carbon intensity on the ethanol does not meet those thresholds that they need to be a feedstock into the SAF markets. That market uh, a chip is, is as much as 50 billion gallons, which is, again, we're using 15 billion gallons of ethanol in the light vehicle markets today. Just think about what that could mean for agriculture if we can hit those marketplaces and those, those volumes with the U.S. ethanol industry what that means for the U.S. corn farmer, and what that means generationally for the farm and for the, the, the family farm. Give them the right to do what they want to do with that farm, hand it down to the next generation. Um, building the balance sheet of U.S. agriculture through the U.S. corn markets and the, and the consumptive markets of ethanol. It's really, really critical that, that uh, we're successful. We, take, we don't take it lightly, we take it very seriously. The project needs to be a success. And if it's a success, it'll step. It'll be that next step change for agriculture.
0: Okay, interesting. What about the storage sites, Lee? Is North Dakota on board with to be a storage site?
6: Certainly. As a matter of fact, North Dakota is a very friendly state around sequestration. Um, again, it's a, it's North Dakota relies heavily on energy and ag, so it's it fits right into their yeah. the mission statement for the state. Again, we we anticipate uh, hearings on our Class 6 permits in April and would, partic- and would anticipate a ruling on those permits in June. So as we okay. think about um, uh, where you can sequester carbon, I can't think of a better place than North Dakota to do that. And again, part of the reason I believe we're having success is because of where we're actually going to sequester the carbon.
0: Okay. So uh, what's the, the updated pro- uh, project timeline here? When do you think Summit will start to move CO2? You no,
6: know, we talk about early 2026, Chip, and moving the CO2. Uh, again, it's uh, as we get through the, it all will depend a little bit on the permitting process and how how smoothly and timely that goes. But today, internally, we think about it in, in early 2026.
3: Okay.
0: All right. You know, one thing about this is there's still, I shouldn't say still, there are groups that say putting this valuable product underground forever is a mistake, that we should be finding a way to use it. What's the thought? Oh, geez. We're running out of time. Give me 20 seconds on what's your thoughts about that.
6: Well, ultimately, Chip, if you think about the commercial use for CO2 today, one yeah. ethanol plant can basically... Uh, take care of that on a national scale, there's plenty of CO2 to do exactly what we're thinking about doing as well as find other uses for end uses for uh, for the carbon.
0: Lee, thank you so much for your time. We certainly appreciate it. Lee Blank, CEO, Summit Carbon Solutions.
3: Thank you. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer.
0: Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian grady Beach Yesterday at this time, the markets were Pretty much on the defensive, soybean meal was the exception. Today, soybean meal is still trading higher, but it's got some participation from corn, soybeans, and wheat. What's going on?
7: Yeah, absolutely. Chip, Uh, just a pretty broad based day of uh, corrective buying here and we needed it. Uh, You know, the markets have been beaten down. And uh, um, so probably not too much of a surprise, I guess, uh, given the the level of selling pressure that we faced here recently with funds piling into short positions. Uh, We're coming up on the end of the month. um, So one more trading day tomorrow. And and, uh, so we're probably getting a little bit of that uh, end of the month short covering type of stuff going on. uh, And uh, but just really corrective in nature at this point and nothing much more than that so we'll we'll see if we can hold on to these gains into the close i think that's important
0: yeah there's no question about it uh i don't hear much chatter about brazilian weather right now but it's still got to be something that we're watching closely right
7: Yeah, absolutely. Northeastern, northern areas, uh, they have gotten uh, pretty favorable rains here recently, and and so it looks pretty decent in those areas. Uh, Central uh, is kind of a mixed bag, and and some of the southern areas are starting to dry out a little bit. So we'll see. Rains are in the forecast for next week for those southern areas, and, and we'll see if they develop or not.
0: Okay, gotcha. Let's go over to the livestock trade. What do you got?
7: Uh, pretty quiet in the live cattle market, actually, and, and just in wait mode right now. We have the cattle inventory report coming up tomorrow afternoon, and, and that'll be a, a critical one in determining the beef supply, not only for the rest of this year, but into 2025. And then waiting on cash cattle trade to develop, which will likely be later in the week. And then hog futures, moderately to sharply higher at mid-morning.
0: All right. Thank you, Brian. Pro Farmer.
5: My mom's got a new case IH extractor and it can do it all.
1: Opinions expressed on Agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on Agritalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG.
0: Welcome back to Agritalk. Glad that you're with us. Uh, Davis, that uh, conversation that we just had with Lee Blank from Summit Mm -hmm. Carbon Solutions Again, I had to hustle through the clothes on that. Thank you to Lee for making some time for us on, on the show today after that big announcement came yesterday that uh, Poet Biofuels has decided to link 17 plants to the Summit project. Now, 51 total plants are are now linked to Summit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, uh, that's an impressive tally. There's no question about it. And I just want to do a shout out to those that that uh, uh, that understand that there are alternative uses for the CO two. Uh, that I'm thinking of green methanol in particular that that uh, can be used for marine fuel and so on. That that is con- going to continue to develop. I. I don't. I think these projects can coexist, Davis. I'm interested in people's thoughts on it, and uh, uh, whether or not the projects can coexist. The the utilization side mm-hmm. of the CO two that's coming out of the ethanol plants, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All, as far as generating some additional fuels, and the carbon sequestration to lower the carbon intensity scores. um of the uh of the ethanol plants it's well i here's a big project right here's and here's
1: where i'm coming from you know you got methanol you got green methanol you got ethanol you got saf you got all these words sort of floating around out there and i gotta be honest chip i don't understand the implications of of all of them or even what some of them mean so Maybe we keep educating ourselves on this as yep. we move forward, because it sure does seem to be the road is laying itself out before us. Isn't it here with these uh, these biofuels, baby? It's exciting.
0: Absolutely. No doubt. And it, this is, this is about creating a new market is, is, that's right. The is what the supporters of the CO2 pipeline and summit carbon are, are telling me on a regular basis. It is about creating a market and, uh, it's an interesting process all right let's bring in paul nefer farm cpa how you doing nefer it's great to talk with you
8: i'm doing good except last week i was in phoenix and actually i think the weather here in colorado right now is warmer than it was in phoenix last week so it's it's pretty nice
0: yeah yeah colorado's gonna catch some of that snow coming off of the uh coming off the west coast i believe
8: Yeah, we're supposed to catch it either Saturday or Sunday. So uh, I think uh, at my house here, maybe four or five inches, something like that.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, that's not too bad. When you said four or five, I I was thinking you might say feet instead of inches. No, no,
8: no, no. no, no. And they'll be gone three days later. So, uh, you know, it's not too bad.
0: Right, exactly. Okay, Paul, we are still waiting for Congress to take up the farm bill. There are some now that think we're not going to get anything until 2025. Yeah, but we do yeah. know that farmers will be will have available to them the "quote unquote" old Farm yes. Bill safety net programs in the year ahead. What, yep. what's the thought process right now?
8: Well, the, you know, certainly we know in the Farm Bill they've been arguing, not arguing, but trying to increase uh, the reference price for right. these crops. And actually, effectively, this year we do have an increase on both corn and soybeans. Uh, the old reference price of 370 for corn is now 401 for this year and likely next year it'll jump up I think to 426 I think is the peak and then over in the soybean side it was 840 and this year it's now 926 so what that means is that under ARC which is remember ARC is the Olympic average price which is the last 5 years take out the high, take out the low, take the average, and multiply it by the county yield, Uh, again, an Olympic average, which is sort of an increased APH, you throw out the high and the low. And likely, if prices are about where the um, USDA is projecting, there's a chance that those counties that have a little bit lower yield than normal are definitely going to get an ARC payment. Now, I don't think anybody out there wants to argue for a plc payment because that means the price has to go all the way down to four bucks and i don't think anybody is arguing for that right now
0: right right so it it seems if you are and which which is what you should do if you're going to sign up for a farm program you want to sign up for the one that's most likely to generate a payment at the end of the year and that's going to be the arc
9: right
8: yeah. Well, and I, I'll i just give you a couple examples here. Let's say that we have a county where the benchmark yield is 200 bushels, and they end up showing 180 bushel yield this year, you know, down maybe 10%, which could happen. And if the final price is at that 450, which is what USDA is sort of projecting now, and I think that price might tweak down a little bit, you know, under ARC, you're looking at a $24 per acre payment. Now, this is before 85 percent. Um, you know, remember, you only get paid on 85 percent at base acres. But if the price tweaks down to maybe 425, you're actually looking at a 70 per acre payment and no PLC payment. And then if you're at uh, the magic four dollar level, yeah. uh, then PLC you'll pay a dollar 80 and ARC will max out at 97 dollars in this situation. So definitely. Uh, ARC is gonna kick in much quicker. Now we know that PLC is gonna unlimited payment uh, subject to the overall $125,000 level. But really for soybeans and corn, uh, certainly a farmer should be signing up for ARC unless, and that's a big unless, they really need to take advantage of SEO, the supplemental crop option. Um, That requires the farmer to sign up for PLC. But if they want to use EOC or ECO to get up to the 95% level, then they can't sign up for ARC. So I think for the typical Iowa, the I states, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and so on, where their crop insurance premiums are pretty low compared to some of the outlying states, uh, definitely they're, they're going to be signing up for ARC. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The yield that is used in calculating this payment goes back a few years now. Correct. Correct. correct.
8: What? Yeah. So what they do is when they calculate it, you know, the twenty three yield, we technically don't know that until twenty four sometime. You know, probably June of this year. So the original farm bill back in fourteen when they brought this in, we had to wait for that time period to to, to come up. Now what they do is they have you go back to the twenty two time period. So they take the five year average ending in twenty two. five-year average for both the yield and the price and then that way we know exactly what that number is going to be versus having to wait around okay what is the 23 final yield what's the final price for 23. Uh, so this way we have some certainty as to what that number is going to be and that helps the farmer make that decision and the nice thing is if they sign up for plc or excuse me for arc this year and next year assuming the farm bill has the same provisions they can flip it from ARC over to PLC
0: right right exactly if there would be that well as you said earlier there it it looks like uh, for the 25 crop the effective reference prices would be maxed out there at 426 and yep. 966 yep. on beans yep
8: so- exactly And I think, Chip, you and I are now starting to believe they're going to punt the farm bill another year. So likely we will have these ARC and PLC same decisions in 2025, just like in 24. Now, maybe you and I are both going to be wrong on this and the Congress will get their act together. But based on their history over the last year or two, I don't think that's going to happen.
0: Right. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Uh, Deadline to sign up?
8: March 15th. So uh, you still got uh, a month and a half, but uh, just like your crop insurance decision, basically at the same time.
0: Okay. All right. What else are you thinking about right now, Paul?
8: You know, uh, I was just, uh, Jim Wiesmeyer put a thing in his newsletter today, and I've been writing about it on the blog, but the new tax bill where they're going to yeah. extend bonus depreciation through 2025 20, 100 percent bonus which really farmers care about uh, likely i think that's going to get passed this week in the house uh, so uh, they're going to use a suspension process uh, it requires two-thirds votes so nobody can add tack on anything however when it goes over to the senate you know the senate uh, they deliberate a little bit different than the house does likely it's going to probably pass the senate early march and then it'll final pass probably with one of those continuing resolutions for the budget. So, for a lot of our farmers out there that typically want to file by March 1st because they can file and pay their tax and not have to make any estimates, and they want to take advantage of 100% bonus depreciation, you know, they may have to wait until after March 1st. They may have a little bit of an underestimated tax penalty. However, for a lot of farmers, if their purchases of equipment is less than about a million one for 2013, they can still take advantage of Section 179 and deduct 100 percent of it. So, you know, it's good news on that. I think this uh, tax package will finally pass both the House and the Senate. The bad news is the timing is not the best, but it's a pretty good bill.
0: Okay. All right. What's holding it up? Anything Uh, in particular?
8: Yeah, just the procedures, you know, the Senate, uh, uh, you know, between you and I, I think the Senate views the um, House as being the children and they're the parents. So whatever the children does, you know, the Senate has to go in there and say, well, okay, children, we're going to vet this a little bit more. You really don't know what you were doing, blah, 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 blah. Although in this situation, it was bipartisan between the Senate Finance Committee and the House Act Ways Committee, uh, Ways and Means Committee. So I think maybe in this situation they'll get through a little bit easier.
0: That vetting has already taken place. I think you've made a and a, a very good analogy of what's going on there in Congress. Good stuff, Nefer. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you later.
8: You're welcome. Thanks, Chip.
0: Oh, hey, by the way, you yeah. can catch Paul Nefer February five through the seventh in Kansas City at the. TPS Summit.
4: Yep.
5: My mom has got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hey all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car. Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com.
3: Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more.
4: From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. Join us in Orlando
1: at the 2024 NCBA Cattle Convention. Don't miss U.S. Farm Report host Tyne Morgan's live taping with industry experts February 1st at noon. Be part of the live audience at the Chuckwagon Cafe Number One.
0: All right, welcome back to AgriTalk. Glad that you're with us uh, again, Paul Neifer, Farm CPA is going to be, uh, we'll, we'll be holding breakout sessions at Top Producer Summit in Kansas City. It is February 5th through mm-hmm. the 7th. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have not signed up, at le- check it out. Check out the agenda and the and the topics that are going to be discussed and the opportunities that you've got there. It uh, Just go to www.tpsummit.com. Quickly,
1: no more magical location than glorious Kansas City, people. If nothing else, come to see <laughs> the city, won't absolutely, you?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> Dr. Vince Malanga, president of LaSalle Economics, joins us right now. Vince, welcome back. It's great to talk with you.
9: Hey, likewise, Chip. How you doing?
0: I'm doing fine. Doing fine. So uh, we got the FOMC meeting. It's starting today. What's got your attention going into it?
9: Actually, very little. This is probably going to be the uh, least important FOMC meeting of the uh, year. I don't anticipate that there will be any change in either the statement uh, or the forecast from the last meeting. Uh, So the only thing of interest will be, as it usually is, the chairman's uh, press conference following the meeting uh, to get a handle on uh, what they're really thinking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and I, I agree completely because all eyes seem to be on that March 1920 meeting is as the potential for the first interest rate cut. Uh, does that fit with your line of thinking?
9: Yeah, there's quite a debate going on. You have a camp out there that believes there's going to be a cut and uh, another camp out there that uh, believes they're going to wait, and both are – Uh, pretty equally plausible. At this point, I think I would probably have to lean in the direction of them foregoing uh, a rate rate cut uh, at the March meeting for the simple reason that just about all the economic indicators, I shouldn't say all the economic indicators, but certainly all the labor market indicators are continuing to point towards surprising strength. Uh, And so I think the the attitude on the FOMC will be... uh, you know, don't try and fix what's not broken. Uh, and so they don't uh, lose much by uh, waiting until uh, May or June, which was their original forecast uh, at any rate. Now, there's always the possibility of some external shock out there. And Lord knows there are enough things going on in the world that there's you can't yeah. dismiss, dismiss that possibility. Hot but spots everywhere, that, Vince. Yep. Yep. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. In three short years, we've surely gone from the ridiculous to the absolutely super ridiculous.
0: <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir, we have. So uh, I, I, I want to get your thoughts a little bit more on what you want to see before we get an interest rate cut. But what are your thoughts? Your, first, what are your thoughts going into Friday's jobs report?
9: Well, you know, I was leaning in the direction that we would get a uh, reasonably weak report. Uh, on Friday until uh, this morning's consumer confidence uh, data came out, and it showed uh, strength and confidence in the month of uh, January, and in particular, uh, it showed a uh, continued, very vibrant uh, labor market. Uh, And so at this point, I guess my bias would be uh, that the rise in jobs in January is likely to exceed market expectations.
0: Okay. Okay. Interesting. You know, we—I got to mention the revisions that we seems like we continuously get to past jobs data, and it's it's typically a downward revision in the addition of of farm payrolls. How is that happening so consistently?
9: Yeah, in the la- in the last six months, every revision has been a downward revision, mm-hmm. and if past is prologue, that typically portends economic weakness uh, going forward. Uh, Maybe this time is the exception, but so far, uh, we just haven't seen uh, broad-based economic weakness. Okay.
0: So I've been saying, Vince, that an interest rate cut by the Fed should not be a reward for getting inflation close to the target level. Uh, Interest rate cuts need to be reserved for when the – for when – the economy needs a spark. Uh, with that, in do you, number one, do you think that's right? Number two, what do you want to see happen before we get an interest rate cut?
9: Well, I think I think that's I think that's largely right. The only problem is the current policy. If you look at the last three and six month uh, data points on the uh, measures of inflation, uh, they're all down around two percent, in some cases even lower. And so when you compare that against the 5.5% federal funds rate, you have a strongly positive real rate, uh, and that's an indication that monetary policy is restrictive. Uh, We all know that monetary policy works with a lag, and so therefore you sort of have to be somewhat anticipatory uh, rather than reactive. Uh, And that's the argument for a rate cut, even though the economy is holding up nicely.
0: Okay. All right. Have you seen everything that you need to see to get to get a rate cut?
9: Uh, No, I needed I I, I would like to see some evidence that the economy is softening. Uh, And so far, uh, I only see a smattering of that. I thought that at least for Jay Powell, uh, if we would see a meaningful rise in jobless claims, that would be the smoking gun that would get them off debt center. All
3: right.
0: I've only got about 30 seconds for this one, but I'm going to ask it. How big of a drag might China's economy be on the U.S. and the rest of the world?
9: Oh, I think it definitely is, and it's clearly a deflationary effect on the rest of the world, and it's not going away anytime soon.
0: Okay. That is short and sweet and to the point. Vince, thank you, sir. I appreciate your thoughts. Okay, Chip, have a good one. You too. That is Dr. Vince Malenga, president of LaSalle. Economics, Um, You know, Davis, it's like I've been saying, you don't cut interest rates as a reward. There needs to be a reason to cut the interest rates. So let's see a little bit of softening in this jobs market, uh, a little bit of softening in the economy, and and increase the need for lower interest rates before we get that rate cut. Okay, thanks for listening this morning. Appreciate it. And come back this afternoon. We're going to have a conversation with John Payne from Hedgepoint Global right here on Agritalk.